the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Southern California Live here on KKLA. We're so glad that you're joining us today and hope that you're staying dry out there. It is a wet one out there. We hope you're being safe on the roads. But I am your host, Ed Carlson. It's been a pleasure to be with you the last couple of days. It's always a pleasure. And I just want to take a moment, too. If you see, you don't see all the amazing people that are at work here in the this, in this studio, uh, Wilbert, and our, our sound engineer does a tremendous job. He is incredible. And so, uh, you know, sometimes just send in an email telling all the people behind the scenes how grateful you are for them because they do a tremendous job. Um, well, I hope that you've been, cur- been encouraged so far today, but uh, we want to continue to hear from you. We had a great call earlier as well from Brynn in L.A., uh, but we want to hear from more of you. We're going to get into a hot topic right now. But before we do that, let me give you the number. It's 888-52-TALKS. That's 888 888- Five two eight two five five seven. You can also now, which is fairly new, you can email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. That's SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And uh, if you'll send that in, we'll get it. And if it comes in soon enough, we'll actually, uh, uh, Wilbert and, and everybody will get that to me, and we'll be able to even bring that up uh, on, the, on the show. So if you don't want to be on the air, that's fine. You can just send that in. Um, but I want to jump into a huge topic today. Um I, I woke up today and I said, well, today's going to be a, uh, an interesting day to my wife. And, and I said, it's going to be fun. I love this topic. Um, and that is a topic of homosexuality and really all things L- LGBTQ. I, I sometimes just hate just to say the word homosexuality because with that comes uh, some different thoughts. But all things LGBTQ. And, and what does the Bible say about that topic? Because at the end of the day, it's kind of what I was saying to our earlier caller you know, we can make up whatever we want and, and try to think that whatever our truth is is truth, but the reality of it is there is absolute truth. And that absolute truth comes from God Himself. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. But even more importantly today, we're going to focus on what I've been noticing uh, in our world or in our cultures, maybe a better way to say it, over the last, say, year or two. Uh, but it really has kind of taken forefront, and that is the issue of trend, the transgender part of the LGBTQ. Uh, homosexuality has been around a long time. LGBTQ movement has, of course, uh, strengthened and, and gotten bigger over the time. I mean, back in, I remember back in the, I believe it was the 80s when Rock Hudson died. And, you know, that was kind of the first time we started hearing about stuff and about homosexuality. And it, it was kind of a taboo subject and nobody talked about it. For sure, churches didn't talk about it. Um, but now we are are face-to-face with um, a very um, powerful cultural idea. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. And, and uh, um, I brought in a special guest today that uh, I am so glad that he's here. Um, I've read his books over the years and just got through reading. In fact, we'll talk about one of those books uh, in a little bit. But my friend Joe Dallas is an author. He's a conference speaker and pastoral counselor. He's the founder of Cloudfire Ministries in Tustin, California, which is a counseling ministry for men dealing with sexual addiction and other sexual relational problems. He also serves on the elder board of Mesa Church and received his master's degree in Christian counseling from Vision University. 
Joe is a member of the American Association of Christian Counselors and hosts a weekly video podcast, we'll talk about that as well, called Christians in a Council Culture, and a, wake, and a weekly Facebook Live teaching series called Sound Doctrine Bites. Joe has authored nine books and is a contributing writer for the Christian Research Journal and the online magazine The Stream. His articles have appeared in Christianity Today. Uh, he had the cover story in June of 1993, the Journal of Christian Healing and the Southern California Christian Times. I remember that. Uh, his work <laughs> has also been featured in the Los Angeles Times, Moody Monthly, New Man Magazine, and the Boston Globe. Dallas has represented the Christian viewpoint through a number of media appearances, including Focus on the Family, Family News in Focus, the ABC Evening News, the Bible Answer Man, New Life Live, the 700 Club, J Seculo Live, and Concerned Women of America. Joe, maybe even more importantly, is the father of two sons, mm. and he and his wife, Renee, reside in Orange County, California. Joe, man, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Ed. It's a pleasure. It is so good to have you, and uh, you know, I... I, I'm always amazed at how, you know, when, when we're getting ready to do a show or, you know, I start planning shows weeks in advance and I'm always, it's always interesting how God puts it together um, and, and the guests that actually kind of fall into place. And so uh, a, a couple of months ago, I had thought about you, but it just kind of didn't work out. We had some other guests that come on. It was a perfect fit, but today's a perfect fit for, for you to be on here. But Joe, what I want to do, I don't want to waste any time. Uh, tell us your story going back to the very beginning. Um, of how God uh, has brought you to where you are today. You, you've written books. Um, you are uh, one of the, the you know foremost speakers and, and, and people on this subject from a Christian standpoint. Tell the folks that don't know you, tell us your story. Yeah, Ed, you know, Paul said uh, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I think, too, sometimes where sin did abound, ministry much more abounds. <laughs> I good. mean, most Amen. of what I do, I hate to admit— uh, was birthed out of my own journey, and a lot of that journey was a journey in the wrong direction. Mm. I knew from the time I was pretty young, I'm 67, so you know we're talking about the late 50s, early 60s, uh, that I was attracted to the same sex. Mm. At that time, they didn't even call it homosexual. It was called queer <laughs> or, okay. or yeah, fruitcake, pansy, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, and uh, so I kept that uh, a deep, dark secret um, for quite a while. I sexually experimented with adult men from the time I was a boy. And by the time I was 16, I was actually having relations with uh, a number of men in the Hollywood area mm-hmm. and uh, also dating women as well. Well, uh, a young woman I was dating took me out to Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, 1971, <laughs> bursting at the seams yeah, with a bunch it, of hippies that just exactly. got filled with the Holy Spirit. That, that, was, the, that was the big time. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Be- hey, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I mean, to walk into that place was to feel something tangible. As a non-believer, I felt like I'd been hit wow. with some kind of gas or some life force, you know. Yeah. And I wrestled with conviction for a few months and finally said, yes, I was born again when I was 16, on fire for God, actually, believe it or not, went into full-time ministry by the time I was 18. Wow. Now, you've got to understand the times, Ed. That was yeah. during the Jesus movement. Everything got raised up quickly. We yeah. thought the Lord was coming Tuesday. <laughs> Before lunch, you know? Yeah. I mean, so everything happened quick. Ministries got raised up quick. People got married quick. I mean, a lot of quick decisions. But the point is, uh, I was fervent, but I still had these attractions, which I stopped acting on as soon as I was born again. That was the end of that. But I thought if I was really a sincere believer, if I was doing it right, all of my temptations would vanish. That was kind of based on a misunderstanding of the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. So I thought, well, I should be transformed instantly because at that time, I mean, let's face it, nobody did what you and I are doing right now. Nobody in the church talked about this topic. 
No way, except for maybe a brief reference to Leviticus. That was it. So I never heard the testimony of somebody who dealt with this. I thought I must be the only one in the body of Christ who's ever been there. Well, I better keep my mouth shut or everybody's going to think I'm a freak. I held that secret for too long because eventually I got sick of the struggle. And this this is what's relevant to us today. There are still in the body of Christ countless women and men who wrestle privately with homosexual temptations. Absolutely. In many cases, they are not acting on them, but the temptations are there. And and I've counseled women and men like that for 34 years now. The common thread I hear is, oh, man, I wish I could tell somebody. I wish I could confess this as a temptation. I wish I didn't feel like I was sitting on a deep, dark secret. Well, that's the way I felt. I finally got sick of it and said, forget it. I'm going to indulge this. I'm not going to say no to it. And within about another year, I had joined a pro-gay church, which at that time, the Metropolitan Community Church was about the only game in town. In the 70s, yeah. Yeah, if you wanted a pro-gay or what they call gay affirmative church. And yeah. I joined that church and actually went on staff with it within wow. a couple of years. So I was regularly preaching and teaching, oftentimes just plain old Bible studies. But I also firmly believed in, or I tried to make myself believe in, the pro-gay interpretation of the Bible, what yeah. I call pro-gay theology. Yeah. And that's a, a system of theology, as yep. you know, that's caught on in a lot of denominations to this day. Even some evangelicals are, yes. are leaning towards it. So I uh, tried very hard to to promote and to believe myself that that was a correct interpretation of Scripture until early 1984. I had such a crisis of conscience over this. Mm-hmm. The conviction got so deep that I thought, okay, I, I have to admit – I'm not in the will of God, and it does matter that I'm not in the will of God. I don't know if I'm ever going to, again, have a partner. I don't know if I'll ever be married, but I repent, Lord, help me to live within your will. That was the beginning of my own journey. And uh, within three years, I had, uh, against all odds, met a woman I fell deeply in love with, became attracted to, and realized I wanted to marry. Uh, We married. We've been married since 1987 now. Uh, We have two grown sons together. And it was around uh, the time shortly after we married also that my own ministry in working with men who were wrestling with this started to take off. And that's when I realized one of the biggest secrets, at least at that time and maybe even to this day in the modern church, was the fact that there were people within it who wrestled with deeply ingrained sexual desires they didn't want to have but didn't know what to do anything about. Yeah. And my heart That's breaks what led for to people like work. that. I mean, my heart breaks for people like that because I understand – well, I don't fully understand, but I, I, I understand their just desire to just, man, I, I got this struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and, I've, I, and I've always prayed, God, make me a pastor. Make me somebody, uh, a leader, that people feel comfortable coming to me and saying, hey, Ed, I need your help. You know, if we in the church are not those type of people, we've lost completely what Jesus was all about. Jesus, the creator, the most holy one of all, had people around him that were, I mean, you want to talk about roughness. <laughs> this was and, a motley crew. Yeah, a motley crew. <laughs> Who knows what sins they had, right? Yeah. We know that they had problems with their mouths and yeah. probably much other things. Um, uh, let me just say this. So for those of you that are just uh, tuning in, this is Ed Carlson, and you are listening to Southern California Live here on 99.5 KKLA, and we're discussing with Joe Dallas, um, the homosexuality movement. We're uh, listening and talking to about his story. Uh, if you want to get out on the discussion, give us a call right now at 52-TALK, uh, 1-888, let me get that straight, 52-TALKS, that's 1-888-528-2557, or shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Um, I know we've come a long way, uh, Joe, in the church, we, mm-hmm. for sure. We, you just talked about that. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the 70s and 80s, forget about it, right? Yeah. I mean, things you'd hear from the pulpit were were derogatory terms at best. Um, but we have a lot of growth, too, that sure. we need to go towards. Sure. But how would, you, how would you compare the way the church in 2021 
is responding to the LGBTQ issues in contrast to the way it did when you began your work? Let's say in the 80s, even when like, you got married and right. all that stuff. But even then, I'm, listen, I didn't hear really about – I had to do well, – this is how sad it is. I didn't hear about it in, in, when I went to Bible school. Mm-hmm. We didn't look into it. We didn't – none of that. I yeah. had to do my own research for yeah. the last 10 years. Yeah. You know, so talk about that just shortly. Yeah, I think we still have a problem of worldliness. I think that's really what it gets down to, Ed. Back in the, in my day, the world had an unbridled contempt for homosexual people, mm-hmm. even a hatred for them. And unfortunately, I think the church was infected yeah. with that contempt. You would hear this sin condemned with a contempt you didn't hear expressed towards other sins that are equally condemned. Yeah, well, they, well they were, you know, mm-hmm. divulging another. You got it, yeah. yeah. Don't get me started. So there, there, there you had the problem. That's as old as ancient Israel, yep. isn't it? Do yep. not be like the surrounding culture. Well, I think we've still got the same problem to an extent only on the other extreme now. Much yep. of the church is now adopting a very compromised view on human sexuality, homosexuality, transgenderism, and so forth. And I think that that still is the same problem manifested in a different way. Now, yeah, you still got people who have, I think, a very unbiblical prejudice against people who uh, are same-sex attracted. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with believing homosexuality is a sin. You can't take the Bible seriously and believe it's anything but a sin. But by the same token, there there is still that, what else can you call it but prejudice uh, against uh, against people, which is more than just believing it's wrong. It's feeling that they are somehow less human than you are. So you still have that, and then you also have, I think, um, more than ever, and this transcends the, the homosexual issue, a fear of man. I, I think that we really have, many of us, I think, have gotten the idea that our prime job description is to make sure everybody likes us, that yeah. we're getting along with everybody. And well, for heaven's sake, if, that's, if, if you're going to make that your primary job description, you're going to be forever dancing pirouettes to make everybody happy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we do have that problem in the church as well. I think it's better than it was when I started, bottom line. But I think we have a long ways to go because I think we're still too largely influenced by the world's position on this issue, almost to the point, Ed, where we are in real danger of letting the world tell us yeah. what we should or should not believe. That's yeah. scary. Absolutely. That, that leads to my next, my next question, and I, I have some strong thoughts on this next question. I'll probably – it'll be impossible for me not to give some of those thoughts after you respond to this uh-huh. question. Uh, but I'm here to learn as well, so I, I want to hear from you on this. Why are so many Christians and, – and, and more importantly, Christian leaders, mm-hmm. pastors, name it, so reluctant to tackle these topics? Good question. My short answer is I'm not sure because I'm sure it varies from person to person. But I think many pastors are afraid of losing people from the congregation because they're afraid if they say the wrong thing, if they either sound too soft on the issue or too hard on the issue, people might leave the church. And this is a time when a lot of people are leaving the church anyway for a number of reasons, COVID being one of them. And for that reason, a lot of pastors are like, why should I say something to create trouble when I am trying so hard to keep my congregation together? I think that's one point. I think another point is similar to what you brought up earlier, Ed. A lot of pastors know where they stand. They know what Scripture says. But this was not something that they studied in seminary. It's not something they've talked about much, so they're not sure how to stand. They know where they stand. But the question is, well, how do I stand? What do I say without, without sounding judgmental? How do I minister? How do I even distinguish between the homosexual who is practicing that sin and celebrating it versus the person who is quietly struggling against it in the church but knows it's a sin? So I think for those reasons, too, a lot of pastors are intimidated by the subject. And I think some people find the whole darn thing just one big inconvenience, because it is. It's quite a can of worms. 
And I, 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 I really believe. See, here, here I go, and I, I want to be careful because I we're going to come up against our first break here. Um, I believe a big part of it. I think that many times, not all pastors, but some pastors, hide behind the thing of you know what? I just don't want to. I want people to feel. I don't want to feel like we're condemning them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they hide behind that. But the reality of it is, I think, for many pastors, which concerns me, is that they haven't done their own homework. They, they know that the Bible says that it is a sin. But the reality of it is, is that the homosexual, the LGBTQ community has done more homework than they have. Got it. And so when they come up with their responses, pastors are like, uh-oh. I don't know how to respond to that. They just said they just said that what that word means and you know in the Greek or in the Hebrew is, you know, I've never even heard that before. And right. that scares me. Because I look at it like this and I'm not a perfect pastor, my wife will tell you. But what I do know is when we step behind the pulpit there, we are the oracle of truth for God. We we are God's mouthpiece to his people. Right. We have this high responsibility, this holy responsibility to present what what we used to call, and there's a lot of churches that used to be called the Assemblies of God, the full gospel. Right. And, yeah. I, and I feel like we're not at times giving the full gospel because whether it's being lazy or whatever the case may be. And I'd love to hear from some of you pastors as well on this. I'm not demeaning any pastor. I'm just saying we have a problem here. Yeah. And if we continue not to to, to, to do our homework and to seek the heart of God and the in the face of God on this and to present the, the truth of God's word on this issue, we're going to have some problems. And we're going to have to account for that someday. And what does the Bible say? Teachers will have even more accountability right. to God right. at the end of the day. So um, I know we have a call. Uh, uh, we're going to get Melanie. What, what I'm going to do, if we, Melanie can just hold off till the next one. I don't, that's a great, I love this. Uh, I love what she wants to call about. So Melanie, hold on uh, with us through the next break, which will be, so we'll get to your call here in just a few minutes. Real quickly, in about a minute, mm-hmm. um, because I want to move to, we got this call and I want to move to some other things. What are some of the most common mistakes believers make when they find out their loved one is gay, lesbian, or transgender? Uh, oftentimes they think it's their fault if it's a parent of a you know, son or daughter comes home and says, I'm gay or I'm lesbian. Oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? Which may have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Another very common mistake is thinking, oh, well, somehow I have to figure out a way to change you rather than expect God to do the changing. Mm-hmm. Another is the mistake of thinking that they'll be able to talk them out of it. That is not the case. Now, on the other hand, a lot of believers make the mistake of thinking they shouldn't say anything, and I think they should speak the truth. One of the things you want to say is, hey, I believe you're outside God's will. In fact, I know you are, and, and I want to know how you reached a point of believing that this could be acceptable to God. That's a reasonable question to yeah, ask. Absolutely. And I think it's reasonable to set boundaries when boundaries are called for. I think it's reasonable to point out, you know, I love you and I will always love you, but do not mistake love for approval. Do not put me up against the wall and demand that I approve of something or agree with something that I don't agree with. Yeah, that's great. I love it. That's a great one. Well, what a what a powerful topic. I know that many of you that are listening uh, right now have a lot of questions, uh, and, and we want to get to all of those. We've got some calls that are uh, beginning to to come in here, please give us a call. That's what this show is called. It's called Southern California Live because we're live, which means that we can take your calls and you can call in if you got a question. Uh, maybe you have a burning question that you've been having for a long time about this topic or maybe even yourself. Maybe you've had some struggles yourself. Well, myself and Joe, of course, here being the expert uh, is here and we can take your calls and we'd love to answer some of your questions and know this, uh, you are loved. And I think that we just, I just felt like somebody listening out there needs to hear that this is not 
an opportunity. This is not a time where we're, we're here to bash anybody. Uh, we're just here to present the truth of God's word and to have some conversations with people and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. And, and hopefully through that, we, we create a relationship uh, that the power of God can move in your life. And that's really what it's all about. So the table's been set today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we want to hear from you, Southern California. So give us a call at 888-52-TALKS. That's 888-528-2557. Uh, and there's some of you that maybe don't want to talk on radio live. That's fine. You can give us uh, shoot us an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And uh, our great sound engineer, Wilbert, will get that information to us. And we'll answer that question online. So don't go away. This is Ed Carlson. You're listening to Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a bit. Welcome back, everybody. This is Ed Carlson, and you are listening to Southern California Live here on KKLA 99.5 on your FM dial. I'm joined by my friend Joe Dallas as we talk about the LGBTQ movement and all things associated with that. And we're going to be moving into uh, another side of that here in just a bit. But we have a call. Uh, We want to thank Melanie for waiting uh, through the commercial break. But Melanie, uh, are you there? Hi, how are you guys? Good. Melanie, thank you so much for calling, especially on a topic like this. Uh, And I read kind of what you're calling about, but for the listening audience and for Joe as well, uh, tell us what's going on and and let's see what we can uh, help you with. Well, I just want to thank you guys for the, for, I guess, for talking about it, because I feel that traditional churches, we don't really talk about this subject a lot. And I know that as like a, like as a society in general, um, the youth, um, it, they're having a spiritual warfare right now with all this LGBTQ and all of this. And um, me, myself, and my husband have talked about it. Um, we're a straight couple. <laughs> we're happily married. Um, we are leaders of in, in our church. We're actually co-pastors. And myself, I have had um, some 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 dreams about uh, being lesbian or having lesbian encounters where I have never, ever in my life have ever dreamed about being with another woman. And I told my husband, I'm like, maybe God is trying to or allowing me to have certain types of dreams uh, so we could talk about it because the devil is the father of deceit. So um, I feel uh, that it is something that we need to talk about more in church, yeah. um, that it shouldn't be like a taboo between um, between uh, brothers and sisters or, oh, don't talk about it. We might hurt someone's feelings because uh, there's so many people having the same questions, going through the same thing. Yeah. And I feel that we're we're just too scared to talk about it. Yeah, Melanie, that's a, first of all, let me just say thank you for calling and thank you for uh I I, mean, I mean this. Thank you for being so honest and transparent mm-hmm. and in the position that you're in and, and man, that's what we need more of. Right, Joe? I mean, we, oh we my need gosh, more yeah. of that, right? So Joe, talk about that. I, you know, that, that's uh 
you know, maybe there's a lot of others out there that have had dreams about being with the same sex and they mm-hmm. that's that struggle. Go, what's that all about? Like, so what's your thoughts? Well, first of all, we we should point out if somebody is homosexual, a, a, a woman attracted to women or a man attracted to men, that is a conscious issue, not a subconscious one or an unconscious one. So it's not going to show up just in dreams. That's good. Um, so right off the bat, I would never assume that someone has a problem in that area just because they dreamed about it. I mean, there are times people dream about killing people or flying or winding up naked at the mall. It doesn't mean they're going to do any of those things. <laughs> uh, I really believe when we dream, our, our id comes out to play and it speaks in a very unfiltered language. And the bottom line is we don't understand a lot of what we dream about. It's very symbolic. It's very subconscious. So it's sort of a, um, a, a no man's land when we get yeah. into why people dream what they do. But you bring up a good point, Melanie. I think that one thing you can latch on to is the empathy factor because we can realize that in the human experience, in our fallen state, and even, even as born-again believers who are new creatures in Christ, we still have the old nature we drag around with us. In that condition – There are any number of feelings we may have that we didn't ask for. And when we understand more what it's like to have a feeling you didn't ask for, you better believe that, yes, it makes you a more empathic person. It makes you, I think, better able to serve. And as a minister, I'm sure you appreciate that. I hate struggles. I don't like my struggles. I don't like where I've been. I wouldn't wish my story on anyone. But I'll tell you this. I am grateful for the way God has used my own struggles internally and externally to give me more of an appreciation for human frailty and more of a sense of the compassion that I believe Jesus has as as evidenced in the gospel when he looked on the multitudes with compassion. I think that's what that generates in you. Other than that, I don't think anybody could say definitively why you would have such dreams, but I like your approach to it. Somehow, I I, I think that the how is more important than the why. Mm -hmm. How I deal with my feelings is even more important than why I have them. What do I do with them? And what you're doing, it's redemptive. So I would say keep at it. That's great. That's great. Melanie, thank you so much for calling. Uh, Please call us again uh, sometime again real soon. Uh, Joe, there's been a huge uh, uptick, I'll call it, uh, in the transgender lifestyle. Um, or perhaps better said, the um, maybe the, the social acceptance mm-hmm. of the transgender lifestyle. Uh, my daughter, uh, who works for an organization, I'm not going to tell you what organization because I don't want to put her at risk, but she works with kids, um, third and fourth graders, saying they desire to be called a different pronoun mm-hmm. um, than their gender-specific uh, pronoun that they were born as. Um, this is a big one, mm. but... What are your thoughts on this recent phenomenon, and, and like, what's brought this on? Well, Melanie's call set the stage for this, Ed, because what she pointed out was that people may have feelings that don't necessarily define them. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't have taken that call and thought, oh, we're talking to a lesbian. We weren't, not by any means. By the same token, plenty of people who are saying, oh, I'm transgender. Oh, I'm transsexual. Oh, I want to be called by a different pronoun really are not transgender. They're experiencing either temporal confusion, some sort of emotional uh, transition, or or in many cases, I hate to say it, but these days there's a certain status attached to having a minority status. So if you say, well, I'm I'm transgender or I'm bisexual or I'm asexual or whatever, it's like, oh, okay, well, then you are probably some kind of a victim. You are in a special category. You're very brave to admit you have that going on. And a lot of kids are saying that, and they don't even know what the heck they're saying. So for all of those reasons, I do not believe 
that the number of people reporting to be transgender accurately represents the number of people who really are transgender. And that's the key that there are some that that really you know they're they're older and they're they've developed you know they've developed mentally and mm-hmm. and uh, they truly believe. But when we're sitting here at you know third, fourth, second grade, like come on, I don't buy that for a minute. I, I mean, I thought I yeah. was Incredible Hulk too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, and, no, and, seriously. I'm not, and I'm not minimizing it at all. I'm just saying, yeah. uh, I think all of us at some level, and going back to Melanie's call. At some point, if we can remember back, and kind of as you get older, it's hard to remember back when you're 13, 14, 15, but there was an element or a moment where you thought, I wonder what it's like to be, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah. to be with the guy, yeah. or, you know, is that, why, how, why and, do people think that? I wonder what that's all about. And or, this, Ed, is why I think we are doing such a disservice to kids no. by encouraging this premature labeling of people. Now, plenty of people, just for example, no. plenty of boys will think, well, if I'm not macho. If I don't play football, if I'm not muscular and aggressive, oh, that must mean I'm a girl. Why on earth would you believe that? Because there there are stereotypical ideas about masculinity and femininity, and kids mistakenly think, oh, if I don't fit that stereotype, maybe I'm transgender. Or if a guy feels a deep affection for another guy, perfectly normal thing. These days, a lot of people would say, aha, well, that indicates you may be a closeted homosexual. So for all of these reasons, I think we have to be careful with the labels. That Mm. said – Yep, there are many people, and I believe there are more today than there were in the past, who genuinely believe that they are trapped in the wrong body. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine the torment of that. I mean, I've been involved in homosexuality. Yeah. That's one thing. But I never thought that I was a woman. To actually believe that you are in the wrong body and that you somehow, to truly be yourself, need to s- seriously, radically realter your body, that's yeah. got to be a torment that we have to have some sympathy for. But having yeah. sympathy... And uh, having agreement are two completely different things. I, I have no doubt that the sex we are born is the sex that God assigned us. And that assignment is by predetermination. It's what we are meant to be. What we have to assume is if I believe that what I am is not what I was meant to be, then the problem must be with my belief or my feeling, not with what I am. And I yeah. think that's the premise we need to start with. And that that's a huge point, Joe, because I think what we um – how can, how can I say this without, because I don't want to come across as uh, judgmental law, and it's not. But what we do, people that, that begin that process or that declaration or that, mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're saying, God, I know that you wanted this, but this is what I feel and what I want. Right. And, and it, it kind of straddles a little bit. And I, I know it's a... You know, there's so much we could talk about on the emotional side and, and, and the psychological side, all that stuff. We don't have time for that. But there is a little bit of a straddling of taking the seat of God and beginning to make determinations on what your life is supposed to be. Uh, absolutely. God determines that. I have often said that transgenderism is, in essence, a usurping of divine authority. Yeah. It is, I believe, a throwback to Gnosticism, which, which held yeah. the belief yeah. that the demiurge, the imperfect God, made yes. a mistake. So if I intuit that I'm something else— God didn't know what the heck he was doing. Yeah, I know better. So good because if people would do some research, right, and, and going back to that in our first segment, if people would do a little bit of research and look at agnosticism and all that stuff that, you know, thousands of years ago, this is not something new. You got it's it. It's just repackaged. Yeah. And so we think that, you know, or at least that, that movement and even us even sometimes as straight or, or Christian folks think, wow, man, I can't believe this is crazy. The world we're in. This is, this is nothing new. It's just repackaged differently. And that doesn't deny the fact that we need to do our research. Doesn't mean that we don't need to uh, be like the men of Isakar and, and know our times. But this is just a repackaged 
Mm-hmm. Really, I, well, I believe that. Yeah, you're bringing up a good point because Romans 1, a lot of people think, oh, it's about homosexuality. Well, really, in the strictest yeah. sense, is about what happens when humanity says we know better than the creator. When the yep. creation says, I will worship myself by determining for myself what I am and what I should be. That taking away of oneself from divine authority, that's where all the confusion starts. In fact, when I repented of homosexuality back in 1984, God made it clear to me the the great sin in my life was not being gay. It was not acting on those feelings. It was I had made a God out of Joe Dallas. I had decided I am entitled to my pleasure. I am entitled to express my feelings. Whether or not it's God's will is secondary to the fact that it is my will. Now, look at the roots of that. Is that not Lucifer saying, I will, I will, I yeah. will? And I believe that's why it makes it's clearer to me than ever. Rebellion is viewed as, as being similar to the sin of witchcraft because yeah. it really is coming into alignment with an ancient spirit that says, I know better than him. That's so good. That's so good. Um, we have another segment, and we're, we're getting close to our next break, But I, so I want to just maybe um, open up this. Your most recent book, mm-hmm. Christians in a Council Culture, Great book. I want to encourage you. In fact, I, I don't know if you heard it on the way in, but uh, my last segment in the first hour, I'd given 10 books that I've read this last year that I want to encourage everybody to read in 2022, and yours, Christians in a Cancel Thank Culture, you. is one of them. Thank you. Uh, so I want to encourage you, if you're listening out there, go pick it up. Christians in a Cancel Culture by Joe Dallas. It is tremendous. It, it is a book that every pastor, I think, needs to read. Um, it's tremendous. But I, when we get back, I want to get into that your most recent book, uh, and, and I want you to tell us a little bit about it, um, what spurred it on. And I have actually, especially from chapter 9, so that you know that I've read this, chapter 9 actually brings up a lot of what we're talking about mm-hmm. today. Um, and so it's such a great chapter. But when we come back, we're going to be have uh, we're going to talk a little bit more with Joe, and uh, uh, it's a short segment. So if you want to call and want to talk, please give us a call right now at eight 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 fifty two talks. That's eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Also, please give us a call at SoCal Live at kkla.com. That's SoCalLive at kkla.com. When we, we get back, we're going to be talking more to Joe and taking some more questions, but also we're going to take a look at my body versus myself discussing transgender. And so we're going to get a little bit more into it. And so thank you so much for listening. We love you. We got some great stuff ahead for you just in a couple minutes. So don't go away. This is Ed Carlson. You're listening to Southern California Live here on KKLA. Welcome back, everyone. It's been so great. So great to be with you today. It's been great to be with you the last couple days. It's getting sad because we're in the last segment of the last day for me. Um, but we've been. it's been great having my friend Joe Dallas uh, with me today. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed the conversation, have been encouraged. Um, before we get to the last couple of questions, I want to get to this call. Uh, we have JT in L.A. JT, are you there? Yeah, hi. I was calling from the South Bay. Hey, thanks, gentlemen, for having me on. And, uh, Mr. Dallas, I've heard you a number of times. And you're very, uh, you know, I, I like the way you, you talk uh, from personal experience and you bring a sense of history. You know, talking about the Jesus movement. Too often when people talk these days, they don't bring a sense of history into things, but you do. And you kind of, I think it gives a broader perspective to what you're, you, you know, you two gentlemen are talking about. And you as well, Mr. Carlson. I appreciate it, you know. Well, thank you. I really do. So um, keep doing that, you know. And um, my, here, here's what bothers me. Um, you were talking about, you know, and, and I totally agree with you, Mr. Dallas, about, um, you know, what you were mentioning. It bothers me that there's 
I'm against discrimination, but there seems to be this movement where it's it's beyond that. It's like it's not good enough. It's like you have people promoting, you know, sex change operations, um, uh, you know, um, cross-dressing, this whole agenda going on out there. Uh, if you know what I'm saying, it, it, it feels like it's gone beyond just that. It's like it's like they're trying to promote a whole way of just changing our society around and that you have to accept this. Yeah, and if you and if you don't, then then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, you know, little little Richard, um, I had a lot of respect for him. He was not only a talented entertainer, but he had a he went to a, you know a seminary and had a four year went there and had a degree, and he was a, he was a minister, and he had changed thoroughly. And you know, I remember some people said, "I don't believe it." I, and then then when they found out they did, they didn't like him anymore because he told the truth. And in one of his last interviews, he addressed a lot of the issues I'm talking about. It's very sobering. You can catch it on YouTube. And he was saying, you know, he didn't like gangster rap. He didn't like, um, he didn't like this whole emphasis on cross-dressing. He goes, I, I never did that, and um, himself. And he had, he came to the conclusion. He said, look, I've come to the conclusion that God's plan for us, the opposite sex, male and female, is the best plan, not our plan. And so some people that, you know, were hailing him part of that of what a talented guy were they were. He was. I remember reading some some comments where they they you know these were some some of these pop culture writers, critics, they took aim at him because he, he had, because of the fact that he spoke the truth about his, but he was talking about his own experience, but he was giving it from a biblical perspective, he, sort of like what you're doing. And I, and uh, he didn't like that, you know, and I, I think that it's, um, I don't know, we live in this cancel culture today where it's like they want to, you know, everybody's name called, and uh, I've mm-hmm. seen songs, uh, songs being called racist, songs, you know, I mean, that are just songs that you never even thought would be called that, you know, that had nothing to do with any, where they take everything out of context. So I'd like you to address that. Um, by the way, one quick thing, Sharon Stone, actor Sharon Stone, while she's not known as a Christian, she's taken aim at the cancel culture. I love what she says. She says she thinks she really despises it. She says, I think we should cancel the culture. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a pretty good point. But yeah. that's I'd like good. to address what I'm saying. If, if, if this makes it harder to be able to talk honestly about things when people have this defensive mindset and yeah. I'm done yeah that's great JT thank you so much for that call man uh, great so so address that real quick Joe yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, how do we get to this point where the cancel culture is so strong and pervasive JT thank you you're talking about the difference between the prophetic and the protective we need to be both when we speak to the culture about what is outside of God's will we speak prophetically we're not trying to impose anything on them we're not trying to force them yeah. but we are speaking prophetically saying if you will hear this we have a creator our creator has has intentions for us. Those intentions are spelled out in Scripture. Let me talk to you about that. That is the prophetic role. The protective role is when we say, okay, if you don't agree with my prophetic voice, that is your entitlement. You're an adult. You're, yeah. We're in a free country. However, I will protect my right to teach in my own home and in my own congregation, among my friends. I will reserve the right to teach and practice the faith that is vital to me. So our voice needs to be both. The prophetic voice is one that says, this is what God has said about this. Now, you may decide whether to accept it or reject it. I've spoken my piece. But the protective is when we say, now, wait a minute. You were asking for tolerance, but now you are demanding affirmation. I can't give you that. Yeah. Call tolerance, I got tons of tolerance. Sure. No problem. But, but affirmation, no. I will not allow you to come into my church, into my home, into my life and tell me what I may or may not teach or what I may or may not say. And if we get that distinction in mind, I think we'll do well. So good, Joe. And and the reality of it is, for JT and and others too, I I think we also have to get to a place that we understand, um, listen, I love that you said prophetic and protective, but on the prophetic, if you read the the prophets, 
Listen, that, that message many times was not heard with great acceptance. So if we're no. going to be prophetic, which Paul says, hey, I, would, I wouldn't want all of you to be right. prophetic, right, in that, in that way, um, realize you are going to be hated. You are going to be talked about. And so let's not, let's not kid ourselves and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe the world's not accepting this message. The world hasn't accepted the message for a long time. That's why a Savior's going right. to come, and he's gonna, and Christ is going to come and establish his kingdom because he finally goes, okay, enough's enough. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ed, this is where a lot of Christians wring their hands and say, oh, my goodness, I must have said something wrong because people are mad at me. No, are you kidding? That's yeah. the legacy of the church. That's the legacy yeah. of the faith. We don't want to be jerks, but no, let's exactly. never assume that because we were not well-received, we must have said the wrong thing. Exactly. I love it. Uh, in Chapter 9 of your book, Joe, uh, Christians in a Cancel Culture, and I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, the chapter is entitled My Body Versus Myself, mm-hmm. Discussing Transgender. Talk to us a little bit about that chapter uh, for the folks that are listening. This is a hard subject to talk about. I wrote the book, in fact, to equip believers to articulate what they already believe. I think most believers already believe that God created us male or female, and whatever he created us, that's what we were intended to be. Now, if somebody's inner self, their soul, if you will, is at odds with the body God gave them, then the problem is with what's happening in the soul. Trying to change the body is not going to change what the person really is. You can change your your body. You can't change your DNA. You will still be a male. You'll still be a female, and that's the end of it. So what we're trying to do is to speak reality to people who are trying to impose upon themselves basically a myth, the myth being that you can become what you are not. And that's why we talked earlier about the spiritual ramifications of this. Only God can speak into existence what is not. I cannot just say, I identify as a millionaire, therefore I'm a millionaire. My bank will tell you something entirely different. (laughs) I don't care how much I identify. We're taking the place of God. That's exactly it. And we're not changing ourselves. We are only changing ourselves cosmetically when we alter our bodies. There are too many examples of people who've done that and regret it. So for that reason, I believe this has become actually a very dangerous movement. People have the right to do what they wish to do as adults. They certainly don't have the right to tell our kids that they should do it, and they don't have the right to tell the rest of us that it's the right decision. And you have to affirm this, and if you don't affirm it, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Real quickly, what are some of the main challenges that you think that we'll be facing regarding these topics in 2022? I think most of the challenges are going to come from within, Ed. I think that that, uh, the culture may come against the church, but that's that's been the case. It's really been more the rule than the exception, and and that has not weakened the church. What does weaken the church is when we have compromise within the church. One Mm. of our biggest challenges, I believe, is going to be for us to examine ourselves. Mm. Whenever there's real reformation— there is self-examination. We have to look at the problem of pornography in the church. We have to look at the problem of unforgiveness within the church. We have to look at the problem of moral compromise in the church, get our own act together. I think yep. that's one area we have to. And another, we're going to have to get back to a didactic, disciplined study of the word. We've got a, 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 an epidemic of biblical ignorance. Yep. Now, yep. your biblical discernment, that's like your immune system. The terrible thing about AIDS is the immune system breaks down. Diseases that would otherwise not affect you will affect you, and they will even kill you. The same is true of biblical discernment. When we're well-grounded biblically, we're studying the Word, we are immune to many of the false teachings yep. and heresies that Christians are now susceptible to because of lack of biblical discernment. The culture is pushing us against the wall saying, you must convert, because the culture has largely converted to a viewpoint that's the antithesis of the Judeo-Christian view. Now the culture is saying to the church, everybody else is converting, you need to convert too. Now, we in America are accustomed as a church to basically coming to a tea party. Yeah. The, the, the culture is showing up uh, suited up for a football game. That's right. Okay, We're and, coming to a playground. 
That's they're exactly. Ready for and they're ready for battle, and we're wondering battle. what happened. Okay, exactly. this exactly. is where this. In fact, the whole reason I wrote that book, I never set out to talk about culture wars and cancel culture conflicts, but I learned the hard way that that we're in the position Nehemiah's men were in. You're going to build with one hand, yeah, keep ministering, serving, and loving, but you're going to have to have a weapon in the other hand because you're going to have to defend your right to build what God has given you to build. So good, so good. Joe, as we close, uh, and and I want to just, if you could take a minute or so, um, I want to give the floor to you amidst all of the nonsense, I call it nonsense, that the devil's thrown at this world in the form of sexual immorality. Um, it's easy for us to sit here and know why it's wrong according to what God has to say. But the reality is that there's many, even those that are listening, that struggle with their sexuality. Sure. Uh, where does one find hope in the midst of their struggle? I'll give the floor to you for the next minute. Okay. I found hope through obedience and repentance. And let me make this clear. There is no sin in having a struggle. There is no sin in having temptations. There's no sin in admitting you have an area of weakness. The sin comes when you yield to it, when you treat it as though it is going to overpower you, rather than you recognizing it, confessing it, and getting the help that you need for it. Uh, look, if everybody who in the church who wrestles with some kind of internal sexual struggle turned green tomorrow, the whole body of Christ would go into <laughs> shock. Yeah. You are anything but alone, no matter how lonely you feel in all of this. For heaven's sake, ask for help. Go to your pastor. Go to a trusted friend. Go to someone you feel safe with. Bring it out into the light and find the relief of at least not feeling you are isolated in the midst of all of that. And then you really need to get back to looking at what the Scripture says about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit and the fact that the presence of sin does not mean sin has dominion over you. It does not. You don't need to yield to it. Joe, incredible. Thank you so much for joining me oh, today. My pleasure. I'd love to have my you back. Pleasure. Thank you. I'd love soon. to. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I want to say this to everybody that's listening. Regardless of the circumstances, there's hope. First and foremost, that hope comes from God. But I said this at the end of yesterday, and it's actually perfectly fits today. And I want you to remember two truths. You are not alone, and there is hope. If you're out there today, you're struggling with your sexuality, you're not alone, and there is hope. There are people that love you, and they want to hear your story. They want to hear your struggle. They want to help you. And that hope, though, ultimately is found in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today, if you're not, if you're listening today, all over America, all over the world, maybe, if you're listening, give your life to Jesus Christ and watch him radically change your life and make you brand new. He loves you more than anyone else can, and he wants to spend eternity with you. He knows you because he created you. Let him be your guide in life and let him show you what he has for you. Well, before we go, Joe, I know that there's ways for people to get a hold of you. How can they do that? Yeah, just my name, joedallas.com. One word, joedallas, like the city, dot com. Uh, you can get on our mailing list, find out about our weekly podcast. If, of course, you're wanting to talk about some of these areas in your own life or your own family, I'd be glad to set up an appointment with you. So reach me at joedallas.com. And you also have a podcast that you do, correct? Yes, Christians in a Cancel Culture, and it's on every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time and Sound Doctrine Bites every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific time. And they can get all that by going to your website, That's correct? Right. Go and right to my website, yes. Awesome, That'll awesome. Do it. Uh, so good, so good. I want to encourage you as well as I did earlier, guys. Joe has some great books out there. I want to encourage you to pick up Christians in a Council Culture. It is a great read. It's an easy read. It's a very inter- interesting read, so it goes really quick. Another one that Joe has that uh, I read, in fact, I, I didn't mention on my top 10, but I, you know, I can't list mm-hmm. all of them, but Gay Gospel is another one oh. uh, that he wrote that's a great one for you to do. Well, 
I want to say thank you so much for letting me be a part of your life the last couple of days. Uh, it has been a pleasure. It is a privilege. I hope to, to, well, I won't see you, but I hope to be on here again to be able to to give you some hope. And uh, we love you. We thank you for listening to KKLA. But for right now, this is Ed Carlson signing off. Until next time, God bless you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.